After Dark, a podcast about the CW show Riverdale that is taped in a bunker deep below town where deep disturbing goings-on are goings-on. I'm Alex. It's a sex bump bunker, <laughs> a bunker where we go to lay together. That's what happens in bunkers. Why not sleep in a crime scene? That's what many characters <laughs> about this show think. That's the shit we're into after dark. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And dude, that part freaked me out too. Yeah. Well, we'll like, talk what about, are you doing? We'll talk about that absolute in a nonsense. As well as absolute nonsense cuts from parents to kids that creep me out. Oh, yeah. That was also as we recap chapter 38 as above. So below the third episode of season three to give you guys the recap up to this point. Archie is incarcerated last episode. He didn't exactly cause a riot, but was in the middle of a riot. It was a positive riot. It was like a fun, sporty, cool. Hey, riot. Let's play football and hope the guards don't beat the shit out of us. Fortunately, they had 600 guards in full riot gear in the prison to put down Archie's right. friendly riot. So so Archie is being framed both by the warden and by Hiram Lodge, both for the murder and the riot. Uh, and that's where he's at this episode. Pretty, pretty down for our sex, Archie. Very unhappy. Uh, on the other hand, Veronica has been totally separated from. She's also been down in the dumps, though. She was trying to help him get out last episode, legally speaking. Uh, that's kind of where she's at. The other thing that's been bubbling under the surface with her is she decided to build a speakeasy in the basement of Pop's Diner, and that's where we pick up with her this episode. Oh, Betty yeah. and Jughead, meanwhile, have a bunch of stuff going out on their own. The main thing is they're investigating a weird thing in Weird Riverdale. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah, called, they finally found a weird thing in this town. <laughs> <laughs> called the Gargoyle King, which is a gigantic sculpture or person or puppet or something made out of sticks and bones and sometimes... And a ho- horse face. And a horse face. Sometimes some meat, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the Gargoyle King is involved in some sort of Dungeons and Dragons-esque game called uh, Griffins and Gargoyles that was being played by Sort of the people on the outside of the town, uh, Dilton Doily, Ben Button, uh, and Ethel Muggs. Ethel Muggs. Yeah, and probably like a My Little Pony and other popular stuff. Forrest Gump's probably playing, because why not just take a name from pop culture from the late 90s? Yeah, Tyler Durden's in here. Other Brad Pitt characters that have names. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Black. Joe Black. Oh, meet Joe Black. And if you want to talk about a movie that people are still talking about, (laughs) it's definitely Meet Joe Black. Claire Forlani really delivered. So Ethel was mixed up in this game. She is a devotee of the Gargoyle King. When she was confronted by Betty and Jughead, she went into a very strange seizure towards the end of the episode. Uh, 
then also killed himself, throwing himself out the window, oh, man. which seems to be some sort of weird part of the game. You drink chalices, you poison yourself, you die. That's the end point of the game, as far as we know, going into this episode. Uh, the other thing we should mention is Betty is having seizures, or at least a yes. seizure of her own, that led to some sort of vision of the farm. Now, the farm is a cult or a commune. Again, we don't know exactly what's going on with him. They're led by a guy named Edgar Evernever that we haven't met yet. His daughter is Evelyn Evernever. Super creepy. Who seems yeah. to be mixing it up with Betty. Doesn't can't tell whether She's she likes Betty or not, uh, but season. she was watching while Ethel was having her seizure and not doing anything about it, which is not great behavior, to be honest. Help Just watching? Out. Yeah, help people, help people out. out. Grab oh. their tongues or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, Betty and Jughead were like sort of in it. Oh, you don't want to get in the way? Yeah, they, they got it handled. Yeah, too many cooks spoil the seizure. Also, I feel like Evelyn has seen a fair number of seizures. In her. <laughs> she's like, I get it. This she's is causing a them. Well, let's see. And the other thing that was revealed last episode is all of the parents know about griffins and gargoyles. Something happened in their past that was real bad that got them right off of that game. And that's uh, we'll probably kind of get some other stuff. Jumanji situation, if you will. Oh, interesting. You mean a dangerous game? Yeah, that. Uh, uh, People played and tried to put away a berry, but these young kids, they, un, you know, unburied it. Now it's a so straw. You think, so you think back in the day it was more of a Jumanji situation. Now it's more of a Jumanji welcome to the jungle situation. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And as our, uh, our uh, in-house scaredy cat, uh, <laughs> I feel like Jumanji's the closest to a horror movie you're willing to watch. Exactly. Yep. And that movie, truly terrifying, especially with The Rock. Uh, wait, no, that's uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. The other one was with Robin Williams. Yeah, no, you know, I which, know the difference. Uh, and if you want to take two actors and be like, that makes sense for a reboot, it's comparing Robin Williams (laughs) and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Let's get into talking about the episode. Kick it off, Justin. You want to walk us through this? We got Archie in the hole to kick (laughs) off the game. And I don't know how Juvie works, but is there a a hole to put people in? No, again, we talked about this the last episode, but this is not even remotely functioning like a juvenile detention facility. It's functioning like a jail. It's like straight up. Riverdale decided, eh, we don't got to go with anything remotely realistic. We're going to do a prison storyline, but I mean, for why, some reason, we're going to say it's juvenile detention. Why should now they start trying to focus on realism? Sure, sure. Uh, well, and it's not even, even beyond that, it's, he's in movie jail. He's in Shawshank Redemption. He's in the Green Mile. He's yeah. in, like, jail where all the guards are sort of cartoonishly villainous. Uh, the Warren's running a secret fight club underneath where only the guards watch. Like right. the guards are gambling on the, like, I'm like, what is, I, I don't what's the money? Making? I mean, that's they are real. gambling, but we didn't really see any gambling. It's mostly to fuel the warden's bloodlust is what's going on. Yeah. You and saw he the look sees something. Eye. He sees something in Archie that he is going to be a star fighter. It's the uh, same thing. Everybody sees in Archie through definitely. his music career. Yeah. When he was a waiter, when he played for the NFL, when Hiram was like, you're going to be great at being in the mob. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He went from waiter to he's mom. He's got that it, it factor. He's got you the know? it yeah. factor. Yeah, pizzazz. Uh, so Archie's very sad in the hole. Then we cut right to F Palace. Oh uh, yeah. Palace. How'd you feel? I feel like you are the biggest F Palace shipper. Yeah, I've been on that. F Palace from day one. And let me tell you, this opening scene, hot. <laughs> Straight up hot. It really was. Like, and, but then and it the immediately only- ruined it by cutting to. That was weird. But yeah. let me say, the only the whole point of that scene was just to be like, these two people, fuck. Like, there was no other plot reason. It was yeah. just like, these two people just fucked. Hey, Think about that. <laughs> and I was like, I will. about the fact that they hooked up a little bit last season? 
Yeah, they're still fucking. Yeah, they're still Pete, fucking. I know you're excited about talking to the microphone. Right. That's a classic complaint. And uh, Yeah, well, let's talk about the scene for a second. Sure. Uh, I know you guys keep ragging on me because I went to New York Comic Con, but at the New York Comic Con uh, panel for Riverdale... No, we love that you went, but here we go with more of the jabber <laughs> job about more it. More information that helps illuminate <laughs> what happened with the Apple phone. Uh... I forgot what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> That's how we get him. That's how we get him. Do a distraction bit. Well, we got no, what they said was, Roberto Garcicasa said that they tried to film <laughs> yeah. and they're like, okay, we just want to do a quick scene to show that they're together. Don't make it hot. We don't want it to be distracting. Like, we don't want yeah. it to take over the entire episode. And then they filmed it and were like, this is fucking hot. Yeah. No, and it is. And it's rare to see, I feel like um, Alice is always sort of serious or dealing with shit or acting wild. And this, it felt like she was truly happy. And I really like that. I, I feel love like that. it positions them as the relationship we should be rooting for in the show, even above the kids' relationship. Also, it made us Ooh. a little less concerned about her because I thought she was all farmed up and like into crazy town. But as long as she's in the F palace, she seems to be let herself. Me, let me say, maybe it's a sex farm. Ooh. Ooh. I, I actually, we'll get to that in a second when we oh, talk about the uh, round yeah. table. Alex goes had. to an apple picking at a sex farm. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell I you, do. not a lot of apples get picked. Oh, boy. <laughs> but they still charge you 30 dollars a bag uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what's in the bag what's uh, in the there bag there were two things that I think we got out of this scene beyond the fact that Skeet Ulrich and Matt and Amek have a ridiculous chemistry together one of them is that the farm maybe isn't that bad I still have, keep having this suspicion because no, is FP bad. is like Yo, the farm has really chilled you out, Alice. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it has. She's not like, yeah, it has. You know, there's nothing alarming. But she about goes back she... and forth on that. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But the yeah. second thing, which I thought was so funny, was them talking about how it's been a couple of weeks. So they're establishing that it's been about three weeks since Dilton and Ben died. Nobody's turned up with blue lips because to play the game, you need to drink, uh, what was it called? Fresh Aid? Fresh Aid, yeah. Fresh Aid, yeah. Totally normal. Normal thing. Uh, and... So they established that, and they're like, yeah, so hopefully nobody's going to keep looking into it. And they're like, come on, it's Betty and Jughead. Yeah. Come on. And then they cut to Betty and Jughead well, in the same on, Hold on. Yeah. My point, though, was I love the fact that we've gotten to the point of the show where everybody's like, eh, Betty and Jughead are going to do anything. Those mystery solvers. <laughs> exactly. That everybody accepts that this stuff is going on, I think is kind of great. Yeah. Like, I love that they just go with it. Well, and that's the... Sh- the- the beauty of this show is that they operate with one foot sort of in our world where they're like, how are people going to be perceiving this? And I think that's a, that's definitely them being like, yeah, we all know these people are going to be like, we're aware of the plot as we're still living inside of it. Right. And that's, I think they, they execute that well where it doesn't feel super winky. It feels like just smart and fast. Yeah, it's fun. But to Pete's point, then they do immediately cut from the parents to the kids also has lying in bed naked, having just had had sex in the bunker where people were murdered. Right. Now, so in the ar- murder, bunker. arguably worse. Yeah, but like do you I think d- that's a thing for them, where like they're getting into the like the rush of it, like they're like yeah, we're tired of regular sex, like let's go to crime scenes, crime scene sex. Yeah. yeah, they're out of control. Yeah. Well, let me say the cut between the two, I think, is a little weird. But like, what's the point? What is the show trying to tell us with that? 
That, uh, uh, I think just we're transitioning from one scene to that, another. No, Betty's I mean, like her mom, though. They're very much like yeah. her mom. But that was a, a, a choice to cut from uh, a mother and father having sex to their children also having sex. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that not was... something they were like, oh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you think, uh, so we have this theme running through the season that we touched on already of, uh, this is, I think, what you're getting towards. Yes. That what happened to the parents is paralleling itself with Legacy. the children. Yeah. So... That's what they're starting to show there is that in the flashback episode, which is coming up next, not next week, but the week after, I believe, uh, Lily Reinhardt is going to play her mom. She's going to play Alice and uh, Cole Sprouse is going to play FP. So maybe it's setting this up visually a little bit. It also... I'm going to throw a crazy idea out there. What if it turns out they're related? I mean... That's what I got worried about. Let me say, based on that cut, I think they won't do that. Oh, really? Yeah. I think they... Because I think they're trying to create a parallel through the generations as opposed to being like, look, they're brother and sister and they're also fucking. I had that creepy moment where I was like, oh, what? Wait, what? Yeah, but you think that about every couple you see. Like, what if they related? That's yes, sure, but like, why bring that up now? Well, that's just a weird thing about you. Yeah. Uh, I would, but like- I will. The other point that Pete was calling out is the fact that they're having they're sleeping in the bunker as their, which is a crime scene, which is like a fucked up place, and that's where they're like, let's have this be our little sex place. But they talk about it again to the winkiness. They're like, uh, should we be doing this? But then they do it anyway. But uh, it's just that to me was weirder than the the cut. Well, they've was- also taken it over and they put up their own murder board in the bunker. Uh, I don't know. That's not, what are Just you saying? Just to set the mood. <laughs> what are you saying? I ran out of Steve Apple. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What do you mean? Just because they went to a crime scene and were like, you know what? Let's paint over this blood with something cool. Doesn't yeah. mean it's Did you look at their clues on their murder board at all? Yeah. Their clues were like, Gargoyle King? Their clues were written by, like, the art PA uh, <laughs> an hour before they were shooting. We were like, yeah. fill out this board. We have to shoot. We make a lot of television. Tilted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murder? Archie? <laughs> Question mark? Uh, so, so I would like to talk about uh, what happened, uh, I think, pretty much next is... Luke Perry starts to get upset he can't see his son. Hold jail. on a second. Hold on a second. There's a couple more things before that, I believe. Unless I just totally skipped over that because Luke Perry um, is like a blind spot for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like no, a gap in uh, my brain. Okay. I, I think I'm coming over to the Pete side. I don't want to, you know, tank it or anything no, like here that. We but go. I think Luke Perry, the character, is stepping up this season. Yeah. I really think he is. Like, he confronts the warden. He says, I want to see my son. Yeah. And give me back says, my son. Give, yeah. give me back Mel my Gibson son. Gibson style. Uh, and great actor. Definitely no problems with him whatsoever. Mel Gibson? Great. Yeah. yeah he's a uh, future director. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, and then no. he says, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And in my head, I was like, he should have said, you'll be hearing from my lawyer, who is my ex-wife. Yeah. Who's my separated wife who lives in Chicago, but she comes back sometimes. No only when conflicts. Can... It's totally legal if she represents me. Yeah. yeah. We're friends. Yeah, we're friends. We're lovers, ex-lovers, but still friends. Yeah. Who do you think, this is definitely jumping ahead, but who do you think is a better character, uh, real Fred Andrews or dream Fred Andrews? Definitely dream Fred Andrews. Yeah? Yeah. Archie, so it's like, and later Archie has a vision of his father showing up in his, uh, I would say jail cell, but it's his juvie cell, I guess. Sure. Mm -hmm. Technically. Uh, And I think um, Fred Andrews is always, uh, the real Fred Andrews is always halfway just wet 
wet rag. You're just an asshole. He's just halfway. He's just very moist all the time. No matter how much you put him in the dryer, he's always a little moist rag. Yeah, you get it back, and you're like, you can I run this for another? He's not like that at all. Uh, he stood up to the warden. Who the was war- like, give me back my son. And what did the warden do? Warden was like, uh, all right, fine, call your the lawyer. The warden put his son in a fight club situation. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? I, okay, I'm back on Justin's side because the Fred Andrews did nothing him. about it. Yeah, exactly. Except for B and Archie's vision. Um, so great. Keep rooting for Fred Andrews. I'll keep no, toweling uh, my dude. brow off with him. <laughs> He's going to kick in that jail door and just take his son back. Believe me, I'm dying for the episode where Fred Andrews wrecks shit. Oh, it's going to be and great. It, the only way it's going to happen, I think, is through the hot dads of, of Riverdale, which yeah. he is a third fractionally, but I think he's a smaller fraction Fuck if you, you really man. think he's about it. He's the front man. I, I would say, he's now not that I'm front fully man. over on Justin's side, <laughs> if Fred kicked in the door, it would be one of the situations where like, he'd kick in the door and then he'd walk into the room and the door would swing shut and it would lock and he'd be like, oh, oh no, I'm trapped here. Fred Andrews doesn't kick in doors. He kicks in doggy doors. <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep saying shit. Next episode, I bet you he's going to throw down with the warden. The only door that Fred Andrews kicks in is a beaded curtain. <laughs> that he's like all tangled up and he's like, Archie, help. I'm trapped. And Archie's like, I'm in space now, probably. It's season four, I guess. Uh, let's move on. Uh, talk about um, we jump to Veronica. Yes. Uh, who is at Pops and uh, surprisingly a business run by a 17 year old. Should we follow through Veronica's oh, storyline? Sure, yeah. Because it kind of runs its own path yes, during indeed. this episode. Uh, she, uh, Pops is losing money, and so she's like uh, happy to finally announce that the speakeasy is a go. Oh, yes. yeah. And uh, to give you the rundown of the speakeasy, so Veronica is, of course, in charge and running the speakeasy. She's running it with Reggie, who also is working behind the bar. Uh, Kevin later on gets hired as the MC. Josie is the entertainment. Well, that was a Fantastic, yeah, and I guess Sweet Pea yeah. and Fangs are running security or something like that. Something like everyone, totally clear. everyone gets a job. Yeah, River Vixens are doing burlesque routines behind Josie, so that's very exciting for them. Yeah, yep. uh, let's talk about Veggie. I want to talk about Veggie for a second. Yeah, because there's been a rumor that Veronica is going to get a new love interest at some point during Fuck the season. You. Sorry. And Fuck you. <laughs> clearly she and Reggie are working together this episode. Yeah. I didn't really feel the romantic sparks. Between yeah, and you shouldn't. But because I was, she's, uh, you know, she's waiting for Archie. She says that, but I don't think so. She's a teenager. Uh, I think you're right. I think that I agree there weren't sparks here, but there was definitely a familiarity and a shared goal of making this speak, this mocktails only speakeasy work. <laughs> Because <laughs> let me ask you, if you run a, a speakeasy, the idea of that was the place where you secretly sell alcohol. Right. But here, what we have here is a place where they secretly sell soda. Right. So they what sell, is that? I kept. I thought about that particularly when they had Hiram Lodge a drink later. I was like, what is that? Is that sugar water? They yeah. had Hiram Lodge sugar water. He's like, thank you. It's just what I want. Give me the hard stuff. <laughs> Diet Coke. <laughs> I hate that aspartame. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that given it is teenagers running it in their junior year of high school, I should mention, yeah. that they said that it was mocktails. But that's ridiculous. Now, do you think that that's was... That's not a good business model. No, it's a bad business. I mean, opening well, a speakeasy for children is also To weird. be fair, if they're charging the same amount of money for mocktails that they would for cocktails, they're making a better overhead oh, yeah, they're. for that's mocktails smart. than they are for liquor. Later, though, they uh, they announced that they have a valet service for the cars that these yep. 16-year-olds 
their parents' cars that they're driving. Yeah. Like this whole the whole thing is sort of like I, we talked about this earlier, where every episode it feels like there's the serious storyline and then the straight up goof storyline. And this was definitely that. And this well, that episode. was indicated. What I was going to say about Reggie is, even though I didn't really feel romantic chemistry between them, I liked Reggie a lot in this episode. Yep. He hasn't. Neither of the Reggies have made much of an impact on the show. Frankly, yeah. like they kind of come in. Archie's like, something with the football team. And Reggie's like, whatever. And then disappears for several episodes. But Charles Melton was really funny in this episode. Yes, he, he had was. a lot of physical comedy. Him wandering in shirtless, that carrying was, boxes is ridiculous. It and, was ridiculous. And I, they didn't reference why. And because right. So that was, this is a later scene where uh, there's some deliveries. Reggie walks in shirtless. Turns out it's just boxes of Jingle Jangle right when Sheriff Mineta is coming oh, down to man. inspect the place. Total setup by Hiram yeah. to right. well, shut down her daughter's business. You mentioned the octopus bin yes. that Hiram was wearing the last episode. And we had the introduction of that whole Legion of Doom thing at the end of last season. So this is the first time we see them in effect. And it's ridiculous that they're targeting a child's speakeasy. Yeah, a child's soda fountain, basically. Right. <laughs> exactly. So Penny shows up first, uh, Penny Peabody, yes. and she throws threatens to have the ghoulies move in, basically ask for protection money. When that doesn't really work, then uh, Sheriff Minetta shows up. There's this whole physical comedy thing with Reggie trying to hide the jingle jangle. He successfully does it. Sheriff Minetta threatens them a little bit. Uh, and then Veronica decides to take the fight to Hiram. Now, the way that she does that is we actually got a couple of Choney scenes this episode. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Very which exciting. Is exciting. First, we got to see them together at school, hanging out together. They got invitations. Veronica, just a cute little scene. Yes. But it's also... You're talking about Chopaz? Choney Chopaz. Yeah, Choney, Choney Chopaz. Okay. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not featured, though. I, will, I do think they are... Uh, it's nice to see them together, but still... There's not a lot. It feels like they're keeping Tony there. Cheryl's the one they want there for the story, and Tony's just there. And that, we're to not, me... We're not getting a lot of development of exactly. her yet. It, it feels but like... we're seeing them together on a regular basis, which I, I get excited every time I see them together on I, screen. I yeah. appreciated it. I appreciated that they weren't in the background. It was nice to see them in a couple of scenes. I totally agree with you, though, that... There wasn't the emotional development of the storyline. There wasn't any movement forward necessarily for them as a couple. Yeah. They were just kind of there, and it was fun. Yep. Uh, but it's, honestly, it's better than just having them just show up in the background of a scene and be like, let's talk about Archie for some reason, like right. they did in the premiere. Yeah. Uh, so we got to see them very briefly, but that's set up for later when Veronica goes to the Serpent's trailer park to try to find Jughead and instead finds Cheryl sitting on Jughead's throne with Tony by her side. They're doing a photo imp- shoot, impromptu photo shoot. Yeah, as you do. Classic Cheryl. gang uh, activity. Well, as we know, it's been well established that Tony is the photographer of the group. Yeah. So it was nice <laughs> to see her pull out the camera again. Uh, uh, totally, yeah. yeah. It's great to see. Uh, but they mentioned that uh, Sweet Pea and Fags, who are plugged into everything that's going on, know that there's a secret jingle jangle lab at the basement of the White Worm. So they put on their stealth outfits, which were like their their spy outfits were like had a lot of uh, were Skin. very revealing. Yes, uh, in a way where I was like, what? Like too much. Like yes. I'm not about too much skin, perhaps, but just like the campiness is going too far to me a little bit. 
To be fair, nope, I not, like not the shout so out because Veronica and Tony wore those stealth outfits when they rescued Cheryl from the Sisters of Quiet Mercy last season. Yep. So it was fun to see that brought back again. Cheryl's was naturally over the top and too much. Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you're right. Like, they were the least stealthy they possibly could be. They snuck into the jiggle jaggle thing, yeah. loudly snapped pictures. Everybody left the jiggle jaggle factory at the same time. Very convenient. The, no the jingle jangle whistle blew, and then Shoni Shaponica showed up to uh, <laughs> to take photos of breaking jangle, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they took a bunch of pictures, which were more than enough to frame Hiram. So Veronica took the Polaroids to Hiram, showed them to him, and shook him down, said, not only are you not going to shake me down... I'm going to demand that you give me $10,000 a week or I'm going to release all these pictures of your secret jingle jangle factory. And he's like, oh, well played, Veronica. Yeah. Well played. And, uh, but then he burns, the lab is burnt. Like he, right. yeah, he's, he's making, like, thanks for the heads up that you know about this lab. I can move it somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So he moves the lab somewhere else. They've still got the pictures, but he does do a well played to Veronica by showing up at the opening night of the speakeasy with an enormous painting of her that uh, previously was sitting in his office. Yeah, which I thought was cold-blooded because he's saying, you're dead to me, you can have this painting back. No, I didn't read that that way at all. I saw you think it, as- it was a gift for his daughter? He's trying to still maintain the relationship, is I what you're so. saying. Yeah, I, I, I would say I think you could read it either way. I think it, it, it could be a fuck you, like, you don't want to be part of my life? Well, yeah, here's you're this. not, because yeah. I don't think about you anymore in my office, which is where he does a lot of his thinking, I think. Yeah, he does. Except... I read it as Hiram respects people who are ruthless about business. And that's what Veronica did. And he respects the fact that she stood up, that she pulled something over at him, that she tried to swindle them out of money. To him, that's good business. So, And that's her being more like him. Right. So the, I, agree, I also agree the other side of it is this was him saying, like, I'm supporting you by being here because you played me. Yeah. The other possibility is there's a camera in the painting and he's going to be spying on it. Oh, yeah. He's definitely... He's, yeah, there's an audio mic at the very least. If I know Hiram, it's there's not a, a camera. It's just a slot for him to uh, put his eyes behind and he can be... Uh, the uh, he can just look through Veronica's eyes and spy on her, like <laughs> Scooby Doo style. Probably, yeah. Wait, do they do that in Scooby Doo? Yeah, there's always yeah. someone looking outside of it through a painting. Through a painting. Oh, I see. I thought you were talking about literally through Veronica's eyes, like is, I don't yeah, know. Uh, Scooby Doo, <laughs> you know that show where they get into the existential nature of being a human. <laughs> it's like being John Malkovich for. Uh, oh yeah. I've um, seen that show. Yeah. <laughs> you so, get it. Uh, well, to end the Veronica story, right. then there's this great number uh, that Josie Sans Pussycats performs. It's nice to get a little Josie music again. Yeah, yeah I think that's all fun. Uh, I know you hate us talking about other shows, but I got Gossip Girl vibes from the whole thing. Very what true. The fuck? Well, everybody getting together for a party, everybody watching it. I don't think we're ever going to see the speakeasy again on this show. Wow. Like, other than as a set that they're hanging out in occasionally. Um, but, it, it, it was nice. It was fun to see everybody together. And it's fun to watch. We'll get to Betty and Jughead's storyline in a moment. But it's fun to see Jughead dressing up but still keeping his hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was pretty cute. Um, yeah, and just overall, I thought the whole thing was nice. It was a nice storyline. It was nice. 
Should we do Archie now? Yeah, let's do Archie. So, uh, turns out um, Archie's the mad dog. Yeah, he's meaning been tapped. He's been tapped to be the mad dog, so he uh, fights in a uh, in the basement of the juvie hall. Which we get to meet, I think, your well, new favorite character, Baby Teeth. Yes, uh, Baby Teeth. <laughs> <you. laughs> he doesn't look like much, but he leaves a mark. Yep. Well, let me say, when your prize fighter is uh, Archie, who is not the biggest dude, uh, it's very funny that they found Baby Teeth, who's even smaller and less <laughs> muscular than our man Archie. Well, let's start off the storyline. So uh, initially, Archie's like, no, no way am I going to fight for you. Then they mm. grab him in the middle of the night. They take him to the swimming pool area where everybody is fighting. And it turns out uh, Joaquin is there and getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And that's what causes Archie to sign up for the fighting is to save Joaquin. Yes. Which was weird because they were like, if you step up, this fight will stop. And it was clear the fight was over, and then Archie was like, okay. But at that point, it was done. Well, they were saying he was going to kill yeah, Joaquin. Yeah, they were going to kill Joaquin. So that's the theme going through this episode. Again, to your point, Justin, very Shawshank Redemption, the whole thing, where Archie yeah. is trying to figure out ways to survive here but not be corrupted, to still be a good guy, to still do the right thing throughout, and to help as many people as possible. So first he signs up for the fighting to help Joaquin. Then he fights, takes out a dude with one punch, Yep, Ridiculous. very fast. Uh, Archie's too good at everything. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. And I will say that the slow-mo on all that was very cool and very well done. Yeah, and Archie looking very good. Like, his body looks great. Shit, dude's cut. Uh, uh, maybe he needs a little more of a tan. Little like Yeah, just like... Well, he's inside now a lot. Yeah, yeah I guess sure, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know, actually, to shoot this episode, they talked about this in the New York Comic-Con panel, they locked him in solitary for three weeks. Nice. Yeah, they threw him in the hole. That's so he could good. really get into the method. Yeah, yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was acting real weird on set. And as all <laughs> actors that play Archie, they hit him in the head with a shovel four times before he started talking. Yeah, and I heard because that that's the only way to be as stupid as the character uh, of Archie he was Andrews. Paid in cigarettes, like he didn't get his oh, role really? as an actor. Didn't wow. get money. Oh, Pete, you should know that the currency in, J- in juvie is sneakers, not cigarettes. Yes. Oh, oh. I- uh, only or, fresh, or fresh Adidas, fresh Adidas cigarettes. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm. So he goes through, he does the first fight, and everybody's like, oh, you can't one-punch him. The warden's going to hate that, but he does get You can't be Captain One-Punch. I, I liked Archie asking the guard, like, you ever hear of a place called Pops? As if that's literally not the only restaurant in town. Yeah. There are no other restaurants. They've been to an Italian restaurant that was empty, and that's it. Yeah, and that's a mob front of Montreal mob location. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you don't want to eat there for that Canadian-Italian food. Yeah. So he uh, he decides he that's when he has the vision of Fred right Where yes he, Fred's like you got to figure out a way you got your body in here but you got to save your mind got to save your mind and he decides what he's going to do is kind of throw the fight until he totally <laughs> obliterates the other guy yeah uh, which seemed nice I th- it felt a little bit like he was tricking the dude. Yeah. Like he was like, come on, come on, hit me. Now I'm going <laughs> to just knock you out. <laughs> the warden must have been happy that fight lasted 30 seconds longer than it would have <laughs> if Archie just unloaded on him. You could see his bloodlust, though. It was yeah. rising. Yeah. Archie. Uh, also, we, there was a creepy shot of the warden watching it, who's like really into. That's what I just said. Yeah, that the yeah. warden's blood rust. Oh, rust. I thought you were talking about Archie's blood no, rust. No, no, no. Archie was even throughout. He uh, was in charge of his mind and his body. No, I don't think, though. To your point earlier, you talked about uh, Fight Club uh, a couple episodes back on this, and it does feel like Archie's brain is fracturing into this like mad dog Archie character. Uh, the vision of Fred, I think, 
uh, is pointing to that, where there's going to be regular Archie, the Archie we know and love, who wears a bow tie to jail, and then there's Mad Dog Archie, who's going to be this, like, monster dude. I don't know. I disagree with that. I do think... Fred's whole dream Fred's whole speech is about figuring out a third way out of this. And I think that's what he does is he figures out another way that he takes the most of the punishment. Ultimately he punches this one dude once, which completely knocks him out, but doesn't destroy the dude, doesn't kill him, gives the warden what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then he still realizes how trapped he is because the warden hands him uh, Lodge brand rum, where it turns out the Lodge yeah. family has a rum distributor of course, that we yeah. didn't know about. Archie hates rum. Did you see his oh, reaction? Oh, was that what it was? Yeah. Oh, don't give Archie rum. He's, no, he's a vodka more, guy. Yeah, he's a vodka guy. He you likes to keep it clean. Rum. Yeah. You know what he probably like... did? He probably got drunk on rum and Cokes the first time and threw up so much. It was one of those things. Yeah. That happened to me with wine coolers. I still can't have them. Oh, well, oh geez. How often are you confronted with wine coolers? Uh, where like, almost all the time. Alex, people please are, drink this. Yeah. Almost constantly people are offering me wine coolers. Like you guys, if you're listening to the podcast right now, you should know Justin and Pete out of absolutely nowhere pulled out wine coolers and started handing them to me. Yeah. Well, you know, if you want to have a good drink, there's nothing better than a wine, (laughs) nothing more high class than a wine cooler. It's like wine, but cooler. Wait, what was the first thing you got drunk on? Uh, Vodka. I drank. uh, I went to visit a friend. I didn't drink much at all. I didn't drink at all in high school and visit a friend in college. And he proceeded to give me like 11 shots of vodka, and I was very sick. Wow. What about you, Pete? It was beef eater uh, gin. Oh, that's, I uh, mean, that was not good to drink as great. a child. But then after that, I, was, I would, did the old uh, Jolly Rancher and Azima, have two of those, <laughs> and then I would drink Bud after that. Wow. Uh, great way to land on your upstate roots. <laughs> yeah, well, just I, it was around a campfire. Yeah, yeah that's no. like the garbage plate of drinks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up where great. I'm from, it's because I'm from further north than you. As a point of pride, we drink Labatt's Blue Canadian beer and play a game called Nails, where you uh, take a stump, everyone gets a nail, and you have a hammer and you do hammer tricks and then try to uh, nail at the other people's nails down. Wait, what? What? It's a drinking game in upstate New York. It doesn't make any sense. It's called Nails. You sit yeah, around a stump. I, I, so I heard this. That you part. just said this. Yeah. Every, what, what, do you, do you, what no, further but you got to explain what the thing is. Like, yeah, what's the drinking What part? are you trying? What? So you, uh, everyone gets the nails uh, in front of everyone, and right. there's a hammer. You right. do um, a trick, which is throwing it under your leg, behind your back, over your yeah, head. Yeah, I got the trick You got to catch it. And then uh, if you, you catch it, then you get to hit somebody else's nail. You get to hit someone else's nail. Um, last person, everyone has to finish their beer whose nail gets hammered in. Okay, so if your nail, your nail gets hammered, you got to chug your beer. Yeah, then you okay. get hammered. You know this wasn't a drinking game. This is a way for like you to do work, right, and build a house. Yeah, we built a fucking house, <laughs> and we enjoyed it. We were blind drunk and living inside a house. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, if Betty and Jughead had that, they would have to fuck in a bunker. Well... <laughs> Archie breaks the bottle of rum, throws everything in his room, and decides he's going to escape from jail. So it turns out the thing that we said at the beginning of the season, and I think even before the season, that the first episode would be the prison riot, and then there would be him go to prison, then the prison riot, then prison fight club, then him escaping the prison, and then God for Shawshank. Very on track for that. Yeah, especially (laughs) when he opened up the book and it was straight out of Shawshank. It was that exact same. I'm fine with referencing Shawshank and all that. Having the hammer be in the book 
that's too far. That to me is too far. Is, that was the was exact it too far that same the book hammer. Was the Count of Monte Cristo, which yeah. also like that was on his shelf last ep- episode. And I was like, look at the book, asshole. It, it's it's. Again, I like the references they do in this show. They just touch on things. Well, Shawshank was the Bible that it was in. It wasn't in the kind of... I don't care. Yes, it, the, they made a slightly different choice with that, mm-hmm. but it is... That's too same-same. Right. Too samesy-samesy. I mean, if he puts up a giant picture of, of a woman, I'm, I'm going to be like, come on, guys. I don't need to see him do the pound on the pipe. Uh, is he going to stand up in the rain like yeah. fucking... Uh, almost definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's... Um, Nah, it's too much. Uh, yeah, we've all seen that movie. And I, then who who will do the narration? Pop, I guess. Pop, I guess you know. I just miss my customer. <laughs> <laughs> my best customer at Pop. I, I Say think, what to Nao. I think that uh, Archie's not going to turn into Mad Dog uh, if Veronica keeps finding a way to visit him. I think she is also uh, keeping him like normal Archie. She didn't find a lot of ways to visit him this episode. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Which I would say none. adorable. No, she didn't. Wait, what? She didn't. No, she changed her identity. Showed up. No, that, that was, was last, last episode. episode. Oh shit! She was too busy dealing with her soda she order. She didn't visit at all this episode. No, she's too no. busy. Oh, she changed she's, her identity so hard she didn't even go there. Yeah, she changed her identity to someone that's gonna fuck Reggie. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> oh, no. fuck you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do we, think. I do think Archie is going to. Uh, here's my prediction, right? Because next week is the flashback episode, so we're not going to see them at all. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but the episode after that will be the prison breakout episode. He'll break out of prison, get back to Riverdale just in time to see Veronica kissing Reggie. Oh, perfect oh, time. That's what I think. Don't That's a great or, call. Or it's going to be like Reggie kissing Veronica, having misread the situation, and then Archie will see it and be like, "I spoke from jail for you." No, I think Veronica will want Reggie too. I think the breakup of Archie will. Be be Veronica moving on. You think Dude, Veronica will you. seek comfort in the arms of Reggie Mantle? Yeah, I mean, I like that Reggie is a character now, and I yeah. like that he is who he is, as opposed to Reggie being like sort of an amalgam of uh, Moose and like a non-character, basically. The fact that he is now like, he's sort of becoming Archie-like. He's like yeah. assisting Veronica a goof he like can't hide the jingle jangle well he's shirtless he's basically the new archie oh while archie is mad dog and archie is yeah he's somebody else he's in a different uh, double digest all right let's move on to betty and jughead because that's definitely the meat of the episode yeah after they bang in the bunker they decide to uh track down ethel find out what was going on with her Uh, super cute scene like i like Betty and Jughead a lot in this episode. Yeah. The way that similar to how FP and Alice are like, oh, they're going to go do their investigator thing. Uh, they, have a, they have a down at this point. Yeah. They, and I like that. I like that they go into the situation. They're like, we got to do a little smoother. We got to be more chill with Ethel. Ethel's being a big weirdo talking about Griffin's gargoyles. Oh, yeah. uh, but eventually they manage to work it around so that Jughead is going to go to the bunker with her to play Griffin's and gargoyles while Betty is Going very focused on the farm because Evelyn yeah. has hooked up with Ethel has uh, worked her through her rough time, got her off of her medication. Uh, and so they split up. So, but well, Ethel's the one that really pushes that she's like only Jughead can come. 
Yeah, and right, so but, it's not that's not. But they made a nice choice to be like, all right, if you're going to work this angle, I'll work the other, which I yes. thought was very detective-y of and, them. And, and they're cool. definitely the most functional of all of our our teams here. Uh, I do think it's and Jughead's f- like dying to see the Gargoyle King's book. That's like the yeah. driver for this episode. Uh, I do think it's funny with the farm on the farm side of things that uh, Weatherby gives permission for the student farm. Like he's like, yeah, let's have this tiny cult here. Because what was the case where they were like, hey, we want to do this thing called the farm where it's a meeting of people who has, are a cult. Has Weatherby ever disallowed anything? That's like, what I'm he, saying. He, he just says yes. Yeah. You could walk He's in yes and be man. like, hey, so we want to have a club where like we murder small animals and then we spread them on everybody's lockers. What do you think? It's for science. And he'd be like, I'm going to allow this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how far this goes. Is Archie involved? I'm interested. <laughs> as long as he's shirtless and punching someone, please. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so we then, as they split, we have Betty crashing this sort of farm meeting. And that was a countdown until she explodes. I knew she couldn't keep her cool so for long. So yeah. I want to talk about the two interactions she had with Evelyn in this episode, or more specifically, Evelyn. Here's what I'm getting from her at this point. I'm getting that she's a weirdo, but... A normal weirdo. What are you talking about? She's clearly the one who's giving people seizures. And the reason I say that, Pete, is because I've met weirdos like that before. She's somebody who is... I don't know what Edgar Evernever necessarily is up to, but I do think that what Evelyn is pushing is she talks about like, oh, you got to get off this medication. You got to live clean. You got to live free. We got to follow these teachings and like be open about our auras and whatever else. That's the sort of person she is. Like I'm not getting a lot of guile from the performance right now. Um, Again, Edgar Evernever may have something different going on. We haven't met him yet, but I don't think the people that we have met from the farm, and that includes Alice and Polly in terms of the farm, are evil at this point. I agree. You know what they remind me of? You remember in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? This sure. is maybe a bit of a reach. There are the the dudes that uh, Indy's fighting for a large portion of, for the beginning are they reveal themselves to be trying to just protect the cup of Christ. Right, They're exactly. Like, and that's what the farm is. I think they're trying to uh, protect people from the Gargoyle King. Oh, interesting. Uh, and that's why they I want think them off medication. Mean, yeah, that's why they're they're trying to like make sure everyone's they're they're making they're being sort of secretive and nefarious. But for a good reason. They're trying to, like, fix these situations so that the Gargoyle King cannot rise. I think it's going to be a big giveaway when we finally meet this guy and we see that he's part wicker. Then it's going to be, all oh, he's clearly the Gargoyle King. <laughs> he's a wicker King. man. Yeah. I think we're going to, Edgar Evernever may play into the episode, the flashback episode. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I feel like he's someone who is going to be rooted in the... Well, maybe maybe we won't learn about it in the next episode. I feel like he's somehow rooted in the origins of Griffins and Gargoyles. No, we're going to see them play the first game. I think. Yeah. Well, so the important things that we get out of the scene beyond learning a little more about the farm and the fact that they admit everything is uh, that Alice and Polly have told everything that's gone on, yep. including everything bad that Betty has done over the past couple of seasons, all the murders, the cam girling, everything like that. Uh, she's furious about it starts to have what seems to be another seizure yeah. uh, but it doesn't go all the way she doesn't necessarily have a vision or anything like that later on Alice gives her a pretty sick burn saying I am not, I'm not going to tell you about Griffin's gargoyles because I don't trust you yeah which hurts Betty a lot yeah uh, and then even later on than that she shows up with FTP but we'll get to that plot point 
in a second. Uh, yeah, well, let's show we jump over to Jughead. Absolutely. Uh, Jughead and Ethel play Griffiths and Gargoyles, oh, and Ethel lit the fuck out of the candles in that bunker. Yeah, she's she really, been like, yeah. Uh, they must Jughead have, must have been like, oh, I should have used this for when we were fucking earlier. Yeah, exactly. I should have made idea. this like a bed of roses <laughs> yeah. situation. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, the movie? Uh, nope. Okay, great. Uh, from the 90s. Uh, so they play Griffin and, and Gargoyles, and uh, what do we want to say about this? What do, what do we actually learn about the game at this point, beyond the fact that it's probably Dungeons & Dragons, but there also seems to be a card. I don't it. remember Dungeons & Dragons starting with, you must drink this poison and like, well, it live or die. Well, it starts with flipping a card, which doesn't happen with Dungeons & Dragons, and it doesn't end with drinking cyanide, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. But they're clearly indicating that it is a Dungeons & Dragons-type game, so mm-hmm. I, I need to find out more about it, frankly, because we don't get to see enough of the gameplay or the monster manual that he gets to the end, where he's like, this is pure evil. From the flipping through it, it just looks like it's a game manual. That's pretty much it. Yeah, well, there, I mean, it looks like there's some dark images. I, I do think, so they, Ethel, they're playing for a while, Ethel reveals two chalices and Jughead must choose, and oh, he man. strikes the deal. He knows one of them is full of poison. He's like, okay, I'll choose one of these, but I want the manual in in compensation. Uh, He does. He chooses the right one. Doesn't die. Gets the manual, and then Ethel chugs the other one. Well, wait. There's an important part before that. Uh, Ethel says, I'll give you the manual, but you have to give me a kiss. Yes, you have to kiss me. And they give each other a kiss. And I think, are they, just to check, they're in love now, right? That's how it works. And she's pregnant with his baby? I don't, I don't think that part works. Yeah, she's pregnant with his kid's baby. Well, let baby. me ask you guys, if you were <laughs> in that position of Jughead, what would you do in that situation? Would you drink? Drink uh, the chalice? I, oh, drink the chalice? Yeah. I was going to say, in terms of the kissing, that's a big decision to have a baby with somebody, so I don't know if I would kiss her. <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to just... I would put a condom over my mouth, obviously, <laughs> just to save I'm myself from, yeah. from any sort of kiss baby. No, I would never drink a chalice. Uh, on, well, you wouldn't on, gamble? You wouldn't... You wouldn't. You got 50-50 chance. That's that's a terrible odds. No, I would, odds I would rather play Russian roulette than do that. Yeah, yeah well, Russian roulette, you got better odds. Yeah. Let me, th- let me be well, honest. What about so you? I would say, can we turn down the candles in here? It's very hot. <laughs> it smells weird. Uh, these are all. Because I just had sex in here. Yeah, I had a sex bunch. in here. Now it smells like candles. I mean, I get why you lit a couple candles because it smelled like sex in here. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't want to make that choice. Jughead does it pretty recklessly. Uh, yeah. So I was I, very surprised about that. And that was something I feel like we sort of gloss over is that that's not a choice that he should be making or should have to be making. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's also got me worried about his, uh, his headspace. Like, is he suicidal? Because that's something that like, Oh, I, uh, one of these, I could die. Fine. No problem. Because I want to continue. I, I see what you're saying. And that should be what's going on, but I don't think that's what's going on because Jughead seems so annoyed and casual about everything that's going on. Even when he has lines like, I read through this manual, it was pure evil. The way that Cole Sprouse is playing everything is like, oh, here we go again. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like such a casual choice for him to be like, all right, I'll drink this stupid chalice, even though it might kill him, just so I can look at this book. Like, what's. Also, that makes them perfect that Jughead and Betty are together because Dark Betty and Jughead. I mean, they Jughead has no qualms about the evilness that he is in his do life. Do you think it's something to do with the fact that now he's leader of the serpents? So he's like, I just got to make decisions. That's my thing now as I make concise decisions and go with them. I think that may be true. But like, there's no one, no one, Betty's not at risk. 
in this decision. Right. So it does point to his recklessness in a way that I think is a cause for concern. Right. Well, also, the whole thing about this mystery so far up until the end of the episode is nobody is really being threatened. Like, it's not like a yeah. stick monster is actually coming after anybody. Granted, Dilton and Ben died. They killed themselves. Uh, Ethel seems to be very screwed up by this game. Yeah. But it's not like it's actually infected anybody else. So they're kind of investigating this mystery for mystery's sake. And uh, the others, yes, I agree. And uh, on the other side, you could Jughead maybe could have say like, "This is Ethel. Maybe she didn't poison one of these cups." Obviously, there's a small risk of that because that's right. what happened before. But he's also like, "Yeah, but she's d- way too into it not to go that far." And well, poison. and it turns out she did poison one of the yeah. cups, and she drinks that cup so that she can ascend. Ends up in the hospital, uh, and which and, was sweet that Jughead dragged her. You know, yeah. right? And then he proceeds to leave the book back at the trailer where FP is while they go to the speakeasy and have a good time. When they come back, FP has discovered it. He's furious. He's there with Alice. They're yelling at them. They don't understand this game is evil. You need to step away from it. Uh, And they end up burning the manual because they think it's the only copy. Uh, It's not actually the only copy. In fact, why would you assume it's the only copy? Well, there's a lot of talk in the last two episodes about there's only one copy. Right. So they assume yeah, that it's the only copy, but that. Ethel makes copies of it and delivers it to everybody in school, and immediately everybody in school is like, love Dungeons and Dragons, I'm all in, I don't care yeah. what my other extracurriculars are. Even the coolest kids are like, <laughs> I gotta play this game, this booklet game. Yeah. I don't buy that at all. Uh, no, you remember, also you remember like, when you were a kid and you shared a comic book with everyone in the school, and everyone was like, that guy's the coolest, let's all read <laughs> comics. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it went down. Uh I also like the fact that uh, um, FP was like, yo, he, he recognized his blue lips as like, you drank the Kool-Aid, man. Yeah. You so, drank the fresh aid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a very, I learned it by watching you yeah. type scene. Which like, is nice. Pretty much straight up dialogue wise. Uh, then uh, right after that, the episode ends with the king, the gargoyle king in the hospital with Ethel. Yeah. Which is very nice of him to visit her and make sure she's, she's dead okay. now. Especially all of those sticks he has to carry, which <laughs> is like a pain. And how would you get it past everybody? No one would notice that stick king walking if through the, the hospital. If the stick king is a doctor, that would explain it. Mm. Doctor, paging Dr. Stick King. <laughs> Dr. Stick King, uh, your surgery. <laughs> well, I, I think the question now is, is the gargoyle king real or not? Uh, and I think... Yeah. We were talking about this the last episode that we can end each episode or one of the things we can do at the end of each episode is who is the Gargoyle King? What's your Gargoyle King theory right now? So why don't we segue right into that? Justin, what's your Gargoyle King theory at the moment? Uh, I mean, this is your theory that I uh, am biting on a little bit, but uh, Ethel, I feel like may be the Gargoyle King. What? Um, we, we see Archie having uh, visions in this episode. Uh, I feel like maybe that's who the Gargoyle King that she sees in the hospital room is her vision of him um, that's coming out of her. I think the, the thing that makes me think that the most from this episode is the fact that she demands that Jughead kiss her in a way where it's like, why would the Gargoyle King be like, Oh, and Jughead has to kiss you, Ethel. When it feels like something that the character of Ethel would want and not a strange monster who is no, but running this whole thing. It kind of seemed like it was a rule 
that like that's how she claimed to have a boyfriend because sure. he kissed uh, her. But don't you think it's a ch- it's a very child like if a child is running this game, it would make sense that yep. the prize at the end is like you the have kiss. to kiss me. Yeah, yeah. Right. What I'm really wondering about that now is again not to get back to the gameplay, but I feel like we need to find out in the flashback episode what actually is so bad about this game and how it sucks people in because yeah. that's not clear right now. Oh, dude, yeah. what are you talking about? People are killing themselves. That's clearly something that's bad about how? the game. We don't know why, why or how. Like, I've what played are the Dungeons prizes? and Dragons several times, and so far I haven't killed myself. Yeah. So what is it about this game that makes it so obsessive, it's the so dangerous to be? It's oh, the fresh it's aid. probably the fresh People aid. People do right. love water with sugar in it. I, I do think they really... I really hope they've... Uh, thought of this and really built that out because I do think it is very essential to, uh, to I, having it be legitimately yeah. what is the mindset that people get yeah. into. And just to jump off and add some details on the theory, I feel even more certain about the Ethel theory this yeah. episode just because to our point that we were just talking about, how does the Gargoyle King get into the hospital unless that is a vision of Ethel's? So that's something in Ethel's head. The only time we've seen the Gargoyle King is as an actual sculpture that uh, Dilton and Ben were in front of. Then we saw it in the woods when they were supposed to meet Ethel, and then it was a vision, seemingly, of Ethel's, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So that's the most straightforward explanation at this point. But what's your theory, Pete? Uh, the farm leader is who I think it is. Edgar Avernever? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Any particular reason? Uh, just because he seems like, from the way people are talking about him, he's a super creepy guy. And also, they were talking about it's usually somebody in power, so I think that kind of makes sense. All right, cool. Let's do a couple of quick listener questions or comments uh, from you guys. This is from Victoria106 underscore. Um, Talking about the flashback episode, will the fandoms be happy? Barchi, Bughead, Varchi, etc. Because even though they are playing the parents, I can only see Barchi. By the way, does Penelope have an interesting backstory when she was younger? Um, so we haven't seen the flashback episode yet, but for those of you who are wondering about it, uh, I believe the framing is that Alice is finally telling the story to Betty of what went on back in the day, and the kids are all playing their parents. The reason they get around that is it's basically Betty imagining what happening so she's picturing it in her head makes sense Uh, so I don't know I don't know if we're going to see Tony or like Tony's ancestors in the episode necessarily I don't know if she was necessarily around Um, also do you think Tony will discuss the time Tony kissed Jughead what do you think I, I, that isn't, isn't a betrayal. I don't know. I don't oh, think... I skipped forward to another question, actually. That okay. was... Uh, sorry, that was from Rensselaer. Uh, was wondering about uh, if the kids are playing the parents for the whole episode or the majority of the episode. I believe it's the majority of the episode. Uh, is Tony in the episode briefly discussed? I don't know. Uh, but Tony discussed the time Tony kissed Jughead. What do you think? I don't think that's a big secret. I think that's a fine and normal thing that they could talk about, but also I think we've all moved past it. Yeah. The whole show has moved past that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they've moved past pretty much everything. Even, yeah, uh, definitely. Even Tony, though, is like, when she is sort of with Jughead, she's like, oh, I'm sort of into this, but also I'm uh, bisexual and yeah. I'm not crazy into you. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it didn't seem like a big deal necessarily yeah. the relationship, so it doesn't seem a stopgap to her relationship with Cheryl. It felt more like Jughead was coming into uh, the Southside School and being like, we need to change this. And she was like, oh, I really like that about you. Uh, let's talk about jumping back to Victoria 106 thing. Uh, she, uh, or she says, um, when they're playing the parents, all she sees is Barchi. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures, but there's pictures of 
Uh, I'm going to try to get this straight. KJ Appa as Fred Andrews and Lily Reinhardt as Alice Cooper together, like standing very, very close. And there's another Too one close. with uh, Cole Sprouse as FP and Camilla Mendez as Hermione also standing very close, which I read that as them like playing with the fandoms a little bit, like mixing up what you would expect from it. Um, but what do you think? Are we going to be able to see these episodes with the kid actors playing their parents, or is it just going to be like, Oh, that's Betty play acting. What do you think? I think, yeah, I'm, I feel ready to buy into the, the legacy of it. Cause I'm very excited about that. But I mean, like as far as like Barchi being the a relationship to look at the, uh, the parents, I don't think so because, uh, Alice and, and Fred Anders have never had any real interaction or chemistry. Like, it's it's Hermione and Fred Andrews that are I would imagine is the relationship we're going to focus on, but I agree. I think it would be way more interesting, and maybe they will take a big swing on it and have it be Alice Cooper and Fred Andrews having uh, or Alice whatever her maiden name would be having a relationship in that past. That to me is an interesting shakeup of the whole model. Well, I think knowing the show, they're going to take swings. They make crazy choices. Yeah, but so, see, a lot of times with Riverdale, they're not like it's not a baseball game they're taking swings at. They're at a baseball game, but they have a golf club or a <laughs> big old salami that they're like. What what am I doing? Is this or right? Or a bazooka. And yeah, it's like, they're just blowing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that gets to Twin Mamas World also asked that about Barchi, uh, or should I say Fred and Alice. I agree with you guys. I think... I think they're going to throw a few surprises in there. I don't think it's going to go as straightforward as we think. Certainly, there needs to be something enormous. We talked about this the last episode. There needs to be something huge that all the parents have gotten back together in the present to face this thing. And we'll we'll see what happens in two weeks. Before we go, this episode only, Betty or Veronica, who won the episode? Betty, Veronica, Pete? Betty, all day, every app. It's uh, just really? magical to watch her work. You know, she, she didn't even do when much. she's having a seizure, even when she's just like, you know, Jughead, I love I to feel, watch her seize. I, I, you know, the moment where she's like, Jughead, from seas to shining seas. Jughead, when we're together solving mysteries, that's when I feel my most like myself. And I thought that was beautiful. I have a question. Moment. If Betty was having a seizure, would you hold her tongue for her? Are you kidding me? As I would punch someone in the face to get to that tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, that's very creepy. Up. And hold, holding the tongue is a weird way to say it. You put a <laughs> stick in their mouth or something. What? <laughs> do you, you put know, a nail uh, in their mouth? Is that what you do, Jughead? Yeah, Justin? exactly. Yeah. You flip a hammer. I, we have a lot of very similar solutions to our problems. Dude, I can't believe you got drunk and you're playing with hammers and nails. There's, that had to be like some awful uh, accident. definitely ruined a lot of patios by I dropping I think I'm starting to understand this Griffin and Gargoyles thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our version of it. Uh, there's no Gargoyle King. There's like a, just a big old stack of beer cans that we worship. Um, <laughs> I uh, am choosing between Betty and Veronica. I'm yes, choosing those are two characters on the show. Yes. Interesting. Nah, there's so many characters. Um, I choose Alice Cooper. She <laughs> oh. rushes it in this episode, and she's you know she's played by uh, the same actress as Betty, so oh. it makes a lot of sense. Wait, no. That's next episode. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so uh, I thought she was great in this episode from um, being in love and uh, in the beginning of the episode all the way through loving Alice Cooper's moves, more of the same. I will say with this flashback episode, the nice thing is if anybody is ever absent for an episode, they can just have the kids jump in for the parents or vice versa. Exactly. No, yeah, no one will notice. It makes it really easy to have a nice ensemble there. Yeah, it's like how I often play Alex and... 
uh, Pete plays me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm going to go with Veronica this episode. She does a lot more than Betty, who basically gets angry at people for no particular reason. That's my my favorite thing is when people get angry. Betty opened a business, or Veronica opened a business. Yeah, here's what's going to happen with Betty. She's yelling at the farm, but the farm are the heroes of the show. They're going to team up with Chick. Chick's going to turn out to be Edgar. He's going to save the day. Stop trying to bring Chick back. Let Chick die. I will never let Chick die because Chick, Chick is, is the awful. hero Riverdale needs. No, yeah, the exactly. one he needs right now. No, that is no. Mark our words. Chick will rise. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Chick will rise. Chick will rise. <laughs> if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Please come on Bible chat about Riverdale. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friends on Facebook so you can get to know about all the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Uh, check us out at Comic Book Club Live.com for the podcast. More also at Riverdale Dark for dedicated Riverdale content. And we'll see you. In the dark. Who is the Chick King? (laughs) It's Chick. Chick.